Good morning, everyone. Um, isn't it great just being together and worshipping the Lord together? And uh, I don't know, in our times of worship, just feel um, there's, there's something, there's, a, there's a, a temperature that's rising, a volume that's increasing at times, and it's just for us to step into, uh, really, just entering into worship. It, it, it's wonderful when we're all participants in worship, and we all sing, and we can hear the person next to us singing, there's something wonderful, there's no atmosphere like it anywhere else in the world, when you're with people who are just worshipping God together, and just enjoying his presence, it's, it's wonderful being a church community, it's wonderful to be in a church community, uh, and to experience this on a Sunday, to experience connect groups during the week, meeting in one another's homes, uh, to experience just coming together as on this coming Tuesday, where if you're a member of this church, hey, come along, make your membership count, Come along on Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. and let's just start this period. No matter whether you're doing a, a full, some people telling me they're not going to eat for 40 days. Some people say they're going to miss a meal a, a week or whatever it is. But just coming together and saying, look, we're marking this as a special time. Did everybody put up your hand if you didn't get one of these slips, if you weren't offered one of these? Could you just put your hand up? Um, could stewards just look out? Is Norman here and uh, someone there as well? Uh, just, just make sure everybody, so everybody else got them, then someone over here as well, just make sure everybody's got one of these. The idea of these, and someone over there as well, keep your hand up till the steward's brought you the slip. The idea of these is if you fill in the form, you can get, as James said, you can get the emails, regular emails if you sign up to it, just saying what sort of things to pray for on a, on a, on a, on a daily basis, which will, which will be great uh, and good, and telling you about those sorts of things, wonderful. So do... Do make sure you, you, you fill those in. You don't have to say what you're going to do. Each one can be different, but, but that'll, that'll be good. I've got no football results for you this week. Um, they trained hard, is what I heard yesterday. And I heard that they all were very committed, and they all came to the training yesterday. Football team members are aware that doesn't always happen, and there's <laughs> we're not going to go into that and start that. But they, they were all there, committed to the training yesterday, so we're looking forward to great things from King's Church football team. Um, last time I spoke, I followed up Richard's preach on Christ, the crucified King, with a challenge for us all to see Jesus as Lord of my relationships. The Bible makes it absolutely clear that each and every one of us, we died. In some way we don't quite fully understand, but we, the Bible says, died with Christ. Don't ask me what the two thieves on either side of him looked like, but I was there when he died. The Bible makes that absolutely clear. I was co-crucified with Christ. And when Jesus died, as he died, he forgave those who were crucifying him. And the king was crucified so that we could have our sins forgiven and right relationship with God and right relationships with others around us. That we could know what it was to have forgiveness just as when he was crucified, he had forgiveness flowing from him towards those who crucified him. That we can have forgiveness flowing, that we can forgive and forget, not revenge and regret. But loving others and thinking positive thoughts about others, knowing sexual purity in relationships were the sort of things that we looked at last time we, we talked about uh, that follow-up, Jesus as Lord of my relationships. A couple of weeks ago, 
Richard preached on Christ, the resurrected king. And again, today I want to follow up what Richard preached, the word that Richard brought, and practicalize it and say, how does that look in everyday living and challenge us to live in resurrection life, seeing Jesus as Lord of my time? If we were co-crucified with Christ, we also were co-raised with him to newness of life. Uh, you see, God is a grave robber. <laughs> and he's robbed your grave. If you're alive in him today, there's a grave that's empty where you were crucified with him. And your old man or woman, that the Bible refers to, has died. And you've risen to newness of life, resurrection life. There's an empty grave. The resurrected king today is resurrected me. The resurrected king today is resurrecting you to newness of life and it's something that happens day after day. Paul writes, I die daily and he also talks about the life I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I live in resurrection life. Turn to the person next to you and say to them, you can live in resurrection life. Change it. If you know they are risen in, in, in just time, you live in resurrection life. Let's make it more. You see, resurrection life, if being crucified with Christ is all to do with Jesus being Lord of my relationships, rising from the dead and living in resurrection life is all to do with Jesus being Lord of my time. Um, we're all given time each morning. Uh, time is a gift from God. It's, it's a bit cliche, but it's, it's very true that yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, and today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. Imagine, imagine, that doesn't work in other languages. <laughs> imagine, imagine you had a bank account, and they suddenly wrote to you, Santander 123 did something better than they're doing now, or uh, HSBC, they wrote to you and they said, just for one week only, one week only, you got it just for seven days, we are going to put 86,400 pounds into your bank account every single morning at 12 a.m., but at 11.59 p.m., what you have not spent will just be deleted from your account. And we will start again the next morning with 86,400 pounds. I want to challenge you, what would you do? It was just for one week. You'd got one week of that much money coming into your bank account for, for 24 hours. What you didn't spend, there was no carrying it over till the next day. What you didn't spend was just deleted from your account. It was gone for good. Here today, gone tomorrow, just for one week. I know very well what you'd do because I know some of you well enough to know how you'd act. <laughs> you'd get up early and you'd go on the internet, you'd do your internet shopping, you'd go to the shops, you'd go and buy a nice car, you'd put your deposit down on that house that you wanted, you'd spend, spend, spend. Because you knew it, once it came to midnight, it was all gone and renewed. And you'd think you're clever enough 
you're clever enough, you'd think, I want for this one week, I'm not going to worry about sleep, I'm not going to worry about, I'm not going to worry about curry catch-up time, I'm not going to worry about um, watching EastEnders or whatever it is, for this one week, I'm going to spend, spend, spend as wisely as I can, because I know after this week, the deal is over, and after this week, I'm stuck back into my old ways, but I want to have invested wisely for the rest of my life that I could be in a really good position. Um, I, you'd have an, a perspective on that one week that you saw it as investment for the rest of your life. When Jesus is Lord of your time and you've confessed him as Lord and you realize that God is a grave robber, that you have an empty grave and that you suddenly see the life that you have now in this body is for who knows how many years, but it's for a very limited time compared to Jesus, the resurrected king, the first fruits of those that are risen from the dead. You know full well that eternity lies ahead of you. If Jesus is Lord of your time, do you understand what you are being given in this present life? You are being given 86,400 seconds a day. I've worked it out. Um, no overdrafts. You have to live in the present of today's deposits. Because Jesus has risen from the dead, we understand eternal life really is before us. The Bible makes it clear that how we live in this short life compared to all of eternity uh, really affects the rewards that we have for eternity to come. Paul, when he's writing to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 3, he talks about two types of Christians, two types of believers. And he says this, that some of them, writing to these Corinthians, he says some people are satisfied with building their lives superficially. Um, they build with, with easy materials to get that look good and impressive. Materials you find above the surface. They build with wood, hay, and, and stubble. All things visible. He said others are not so superficial. Others are authentic and deep under the surface livers. They, they, they build not for superficial showing off, but they build with materials found beneath the surface. Gold, silver, precious stones. Two types of builders. Superficial or authentic. Paul writes, we all one day will be judged by God for how we've built, for how we've invested time with our lives. He says this in 1 Corinthians 3.13, there's going to come a time of testing at Christ's judgment day to see what kind of material each builder has used. Everyone's work will be put through the fire so that all can see whether or not it keeps its value and what was really accomplished. Then every workman who is built on the foundation with the right materials and whose work still stands will get his pay. But if the house he has built burns up, he will have great loss. He himself will be saved, but like a man escaping through a wall of flames. Do you understand why reading the Bible, reading the word of God makes you live differently? Jesus 
actually uses banking terms for describing what we will all, without exception, every one of us in this room, will have to do one day. And Jesus says in Matthew 12, verse 36, I tell you, everyone, everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment. You, one day, will stand before God, Jesus says, and give an account of how you have lived your life, how you've invested your time. Paul says the same thing in, in, in Romans 14, verse 12. He says, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Not an account of how we thought somebody else lived. Forget about that. How did I live? What did I do? How did I invest my time? If the death of Christ affects my relationships, the resurrection of Christ the King affects my time as I confess, Jesus, you're not just Lord of my relationships, Jesus, you are Lord of my time, and his Lordship goes live over my time today. Jesus is Lord of my time. I now experience, I now experience eternal life. Not in terms of the longevity in the flesh, but in terms of the quality of life that I can experience in my soul and spirit. I am now already dead to sin and alive to God. Because the resurrected king has resurrected me. Jesus is Lord of my time. I've always, even before I gave my life to Jesus, even before I became a Christian by confessing him as Lord and believing in my heart that God had raised him from the dead, before that, Ecclesiastes 3 tells me that God has set eternity in the hearts of men and women. And God has already put eternity in our hearts. It's why even the unbeliever, even the most ardent atheist, has an eternal perspective, if they're honest, on life. But now, once I confess him as Lord, as the king of my heart, uh, I live with a confident hope and expectation of an eternity to come spent with the Lord. Jesus is Lord of my time. You talk to me about rewards that are merely for this life. And you wonder why I say, really? <laughs> and laugh at you. I have not got the time to live for things that are purely and solely for this life only. Jesus is Lord of my time. Jesus rising from the dead and sending the person of the Holy Spirit to live in me is the proof I now need that I should invest my time in this short life so wisely that I can fully reap the rewards of how I use this time in my short life for gazillions of years to come in eternity. To have such a wise perspective on life only happens when I've died with Christ and been raised to new eternal life with him. Not as a, a philosophical concept. Yes, that's a great idea. But as a real experience, as Jesus becomes Lord of my time in the decisions I face day after day, when his will crosses my will, I submit to his will in how I use my time. Jesus, when I confess him as Lord of my time, that promotes an awareness of resurrection life in me. When you know Jesus has risen from the dead, time matters. Resurrection life and using time well are linked together in Scripture. Paul, again writing to believers this time in Ephesians 5 verse 14, he says, This is why it is said, 
Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So, it then writes the very next verse. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. He then says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Do you get it? Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead. Making the most of every opportunity. Resurrection, living in resurrection life is to make the most of every opportunity. Living in the power of resurrection life. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. Making the most of every opportunity. See, the more literal translation of making the most of every opportunity, New Testament written in Greek, it says redeeming the time. And there's a Greek word for the word time that's used there. It's the word kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. I know a little Greek. He plays a bit. Oh, no, I'm not going to use that one again, Yanni. Um, kairos, uh, according to, to, to the, there's another word for time, which is chronos which is talking about the passage of time. It's why we get gray hairs, some of us. If you haven't yet, you will do. <laughs> uh, uh, and it, it, it's the passage of time, chronos, just time goes on. But kairos, according to W.E. Vine, who knows more about the Greek, uh, Koine Greek than I do, he says this, he says it's used when it refers to a fixed period of time or to an opportunity in time that presents itself to us. So, for example, you've got the same word in Galatians 6, verse 10, where it says we should be those who are making the most um, uh, of every opportunity uh, with, with regard to, we, as we have opportunity, kairos, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So what's he saying? As we have an opportunity, we see a chance to do good to someone, let's do it. It's an opportunity. It's a kairos time. It's an opportunity. We can have this fixed period of time to do good to everybody, but especially to those who are of the church family or of the household of faith. Let's do good to them especially. And in life, then, what are we saying? In life, this present life is a kairos life. It's a fixed period of time. Uh, you know... Psalm 31, verse 15, the psalmist says, My times are in his hands. Uh, the more you're aware of that, that actually I don't know how long I've got left. I don't know if I've got another day, another 20 years, another 50 years. I've no idea. Um, but I know my times are in his hands. There is a kairos, a fixed period of time for me in which I live on this earth, in this body. But that time is limited. And so the psalmist says in Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What's he meaning there? He's not meaning, of course, teach us, Lord, to number, to count how many days we've been alive. He's saying teach us to realize that we live in a kairos, a fixed period of time, that we don't go on forever. We don't know our times are in his hands. We don't know how long we'll live. But teach us to realize that it's a limited time. It's like that bank account for seven days. It might be much longer than seven days. Hopefully, it will be for every one of us in this room. But... It's, it's a limited time. So teach us to realize that we're living in a limited time so that we can live wisely. Um, Jesus himself, he uses the word kairos when comparing the time of this life to, to eternity. And, and in Mark 10, 
verse 30, after Peter seems to me to have been moaning a bit to Jesus when he, when he says, we've left houses and we've left family to follow you, Jesus. And Jesus says this, he says in Mark 10, 30, he says, whoever's done that will not fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, in this Kairos age, and homes, brothers, sisters, mothers and children feel along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. What's Jesus say? Okay, you've left family, friends. You've left home. Uh, you'll get rewarded in this present life. But in the age to come, eternal life, that quality of life. Uh, do you get it? The time you have now is a kairos time, a determined, a fixed period of time. Your days are numbered. You now have an opportunity to declare Jesus as Lord of your time and make an investment with your time that will reap dividends, uh, uh, possibly some in this life, but certainly in the life to come and, and, and wonderful, wonderful rewards. Now here's some very good preachers, uh, better preachers than me, talk about you know, it being a kairos moment now as if this is the only Kairos moment you're going to have in your life. The Bible actually tells me that every day of our lives is a Kairos day. Every single day is an opportunity to invest our eternal in our time for eternal rewards. Every day can be the best day of your life when Jesus is Lord of your time. Every day is certainly a Kairos day, a day filled with opportunity. Nathan brought a word about living in expectation as we do this 40-day fast. Amen to that. But I want to say to you, live every day, whether you're fasting or not, expecting, waiting for manifestations of God's goodness in your life because God is good all the time. Um, by your spirit, the words to the song go, by your spirit I'll rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected king is resurrected me. You don't know that song. I do. <laughs> Lord of my time. Lord of my time means, when Jesus is Lord of my time, it means I'm awake to his presence. It follows, if Jesus isn't Lord of your time, you can be asleep and miss the opportunity. That's why Paul writes, wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. The sleeping believers, sleeping believers, sleeping Christians, miss out on making the most of every opportunity. To live in resurrection life is to be aware to be sensitive, to discern, to feel the moment of his risen life in you in a tangible way. Remember the two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus, Cleopas and the one whose name we never get to know. <laughs> I'm sure we'll find out one day, but never mentioned in the Bible. Uh, a clip, they were walking along the road to Emmaus, and what happened? They thought Jesus was dead and buried. Uh, and, and, and consequently, they themselves had no hope of resurrection life. And Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus, comes and walks alongside them and says, Why are your hearts downcast? Why are your faces? Why are you looking so miserable? Uh, uh, and, 
And, and, and, and they did not understand because they did not believe Jesus had risen from the dead. He was walking alongside them and they didn't discern the resurrection life of Christ in bodily form even next to them. They were physically awake and walking, but spiritually they were sleepwalking. Uh, we, in Luke 24, verse 16, it's, it's a tragic. They, they didn't discern that he was, that it was Jesus walking next to them. Moments come in your life, perhaps in a time of worship or, or just in reading your Bible or when you're on the bus and you close your eyes and shut out everything around you. Moments come in your life when you can discern he's with you all the time. Dave Carr prophesied that or somebody prophesied that this morning that he's with us all the time. Uh, you can know his presence, but come alive. Wake up, O sleeper. Let the resurrected Christ resurrect you today. Come alive to his presence and discern those moments when he's next to you. You see, moments come in your life where you either make the most of the opportunity or you let the opportunity slip you by. Um, Philippa came out to Congo as a single girl and lived next door to me for a year. I never once told her, for a whole year, she was next door neighbor, I never once told her how much I loved her. And then she decided she was going for the summer back from Congo, back to England, to, 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 to a summer Bible school program where I got to hear via somebody else, there were loads of single men. <laughs> And I had to drive her, it's a long story, I'll cut it down short, but I had to drive her to sort of a nine-hour drive to get to the airport, uh, for, for Congolese airport, to, to send her on her way. And I'd never said to her how much I loved her. When we got to the one place we discovered for some reason the plane had been cancelled, I had to bring her back to where she, we lived in this little village. As we were driving along, I'll never forget it, there was a little detour in Congo, the road, the hole in the road, they just make a detour in the bush and bumping along, going along in the road on this detour, going down a steep hill, wasn't it? She's my witness. Going down a steep hill. And I thought, if I don't say something soon, the moment's going to slip away. If I don't speak up soon, something's going to happen here. And all these single men, some of them, I'd seen pictures of some of them, six foot six Norwegians going into the forest, hacking down trees. I, I, I thought, I've got I've to take a claim on this. So as we're driving around, I say, I say Philippa, she says, yes. Driving around, you know I really like you, don't you? And, to which she replies, well, I have heard from others, never from you. <laughs> the rest is history. Um, but I'm see see, wake up, O oh sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Um, I'm serious. I believe in my life that moment was a God moment when I allowed Jesus to be Lord of my time, in that area, he needs to be Lord of your time. Uh, and allowed him to be Lord of my time. And by living in resurrection life and telling Philippa I really liked her, I was capturing a God moment. Um, 
Come on, you can remember too, can't you? Life-changing moments in your lives when you rose from the dead and Jesus was Lord of your time. That time when you woke up and you said, yes, I will be baptized in water. And you were buried with him and rose to new life with him in the waters of baptism. That time when you woke up and you were baptized in the Holy Spirit and you said, yes, Lord, I give you everything. Come and Holy Spirit, fill me. Not just, not just be in me, but fill me to overflowing. That time when, when you were in a, perhaps a connect group or, or house group, whatever it was called at the time, and you, your mouth went dry, you were nervous, you were trembling, but you heard people giving their praise to God in public in, in a small group, and you said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to step out. I'm going to say, Lord, I love you too. And something happened. That moment when you woke up and you, you shared the gospel with the person in the, in, in, in the bus queue or that, that unsaved relative or, or, or that person at the workplace and you began to share the gospel, heart beating like mad. But you did it because you woke up. That moment when you woke up and you said, yes, I get it. I, it isn't just the professionals. I can pray for the sick too because resurrection life is in me that moment when you you just felt God's presence so close that you you didn't just give thanksgiving you didn't just give praise but you laid down your life to him and said Lord take me I worship you I give you everything if Jesus is Lord of your time if you're experiencing resurrection life you'll not miss the opportunities that come your way Lord of your time. When Jesus is Lord of my time, it means, you see, I discern the moment. In 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32, we read about some men and women from Ithaca who, the Bible says, they understood the times and knew what to do. I want to say to us all, we have different times in our lives. We have some bad moments, some sad moments, some dark moments, some puzzling moments, some moments of inspiration. Maybe after moments of dreams dying or going into obscurity, moments where dreams take wings and begin to live again. There are moments of utter despair. There's no doubt in my mind that our lives are made up of very strategic moments where our lives are shaped. Out of the moment, as you live with Jesus as Lord of your time, arises a new you, a new day. Jesus is Lord of our moments. Each moment matters to him. There's, as you discern the moments, you can discern moments of encouragement. Uh, in Isaiah 27 verse 3, there's a wonderful verse. And it's that the Lord says, talking about a vineyard, every moment I water it. I love that. I want to say to you, you are more valuable than any vineyard. He's watching you. If he water a vineyard in the old covenant, he'll water you and he'll water your every moment. Do you discern the watering going on today? Are you a man or woman of Ithaca? There's a strategic moment of supernatural encouragement to take hold of today. Don't miss the moment. Today is a Kairos day. Each day is a Kairos day. Today can be the best day of your life. It's a day brimming with opportunity, with eternal significance. Do you remember Elijah? Uh, all cocky with the priests of Baal when it was that, 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 that competition going on in 1 Kings 18. He's teasing them as they, as they call down fire on their sacrifice and, and nothing's happening. He's saying to them, ha, perhaps your God's gone to the toilet. Why is he not doing it? Perhaps he's asleep and he's all brash and, and, and really full of confidence with them. 
And then he calls on God and God sends fire down on the, on the sacrifice that he's doused with water. And the prophets of Baal have their comeuppance and it's the end of them. And then the Queen Jezebel says she's going to kill him. He goes all suicidal down the tubes and he runs away, finds a broom tree, sits under it in 1 Kings 19 and says, Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my father's. Then what happens in 1 Kings 19 and verse 5, then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals, a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And then we hear him about him going, 40 days, 40 days on the strength of what he'd had there. You see, there are moments when Jesus is Lord of our time that we can step into and find we move out of depression into joy, that we can move out of negativity into positivity. Something supernatural happens. It might not be an, literally an angel offering a cake, but God does something in our hearts and in our spirits, maybe through a brother and sister, maybe just through feeling the presence of God, God does something, and we realize we can go to him as Jesus invited us to in Matthew 11 verse 28. Come to me, he says, all you who labor and are heavy laden, you're laboring, you're heavy laden you, and you go to him and you find he gives you a yoke that's easy. It fits well and a burden that's light. Moments that we can step into. Uh, we hand over our troubles and accept his lordship over our times. We, we find, you know, as he gives resurrection life, as he gives encouragement, we just keep on going. Never give up. Um, there's a picture here I want you to see. Just sums it up really. Just, just keep on going. Don't give up. Um, you know, you can be so close at times. You're praying and praying and praying and you're coming close to a breakthrough and you stop praying. You give up. Keep on going. In your fasting, whatever it is you've decided to do today, as you think, yeah, I've put my name down. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. You know, whatever it is, no matter how small it is, you think compared to what others might be doing, no matter how big it is, never give up. Say, I'm going to keep on with this. I'm determined to because I believe I'm going to see breakthrough because God is encouraging me today. I want to challenge you. Have you worked hard at kids club, kids work? Have you, you know, maybe you come 6.30 a.m. on a Tuesday, 6.45 a.m. every Tuesday morning now, not Wednesdays, uh, or Fridays at 8 o'clock, or you, you come, you know, every time there's a prayer meeting, you never miss it. Uh, you've kept on coming to that. You've never missed a Sunday. Praise God for church members who, who commit to coming on a Sunday morning. I've never missed it. I'm always there. You, you just keep on coming. Homes of Hope, CAP, VIP nights, talking to people at work, praying for the sick, and, and you think there's nothing happening. Galatians 6 verse 9, Paul writes this. He says, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we'll harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit, says the message. Keep going. Keep doing. Winston Church, don't become a charismatic daydreamer. Um, dreaming your life away. Winston Churchill said this. He said, some people dream of success while others wake up and work hard at it. When will we understand? If we're not working hard, we probably don't care about what we're working at. Never stop giving it your all. The Lord watches over you. Every moment is doing something for your good because he is good. He's watering the moment. 
When he's Lord of my time, I realize he has a plan for my life. And I need to plan. Um, What should I do with my time? Don't ask, what does the world need? Ask, what makes you come alive in your spirit? And go and do it. The world needs people who have come alive in Christ, discovering the watered moments on a daily basis. This is what I was made for. This is what I give my life to. This is what excites me. I want to say, I want to challenge, you know, there's many of you here sort of maybe doing the final year, a degree, a master's, a PhD. Don't waste your 20s on 30s deciding what to do with your life. Get a career, work hard, get a job, earn money, buy a flat, buy a house, and be ready to give it all up if God tells you to go and live in the middle of Africa. Don't be scared of making commitments, of committing to a career, of committing to a wife, of committing to a husband, of having children. Get on with life. Commit to something. Commit to a plan where he is Lord of your time. Let's put an end to a crisis of commitment and say in King's Church, we're a committed people. We commit Um, have a goal, have a name, have a plan to prosper in all you do with Jesus as Lord of your 20s, 30s, 40s and right on into older life. Figures were out this week showing that people aged 65, men can expect to live for another 19 years and women for a further 21 years. Well, Joseph and and Zeta have already proved those figures to be not quite right, but it's talking on average. Um, I want to say, don't stop planning to those who are older. Don't stop planning because you're close to or already retired. Uh, Don't plan for dependency from others. Plan for generosity towards others. Uh, Refirement, not retirement, is the plan. Uh, and, and, And moments will affect our families, our relationships, our church. Uh, It will affect all of those things. Lord of my time, what does it mean? It means wasted time can be redeemed. You see, the resurrected king redeems our lives and wants us to redeem the time. He wants us to make the best use of time. We all make mistakes and we regret the way we used our time badly. Um, when Philippa, talking about Philippa and, and getting married to Philippa, when Philippa first came out to Congo, we travelled out together and I had the opportunity to travel with her from South Africa on tarmac roads in a Toyota Land Cruiser, just around about five days travelling, stopping at nice hotels on the way, just me and Philippa. Um, and, and I turned it down because I chose to do the macho thing, which was to drive from one side of Congo to the other, cross country, six days Dreadful roads. And I turn down that chance. And sometimes we look back with regret and think, oh, should we have done that trip? Because we might, you might have said, she says to me, you might have said, you know, I like you. If we were sort of five days in a, in a, in a vehicle together. We might have said it because we always say we did like one another. Um, you know, in the end, in the end, can I say for all of us, we only regret the chances we didn't take. The relationships we were afraid to have. The decisions we waited too long to make. Have you wasted time? The Lord wants to redeem your wasted time. He gives resurrection life to your calling. 
Do you remember the exiles from Babylon who returned to Jerusalem and they set about building the temple? They laid the foundations with Zerubbabel leading it all. And the foundations were laid and the walls were were waiting to be completed. And in Ezra 4, we read about them stopping because of fatigue, because of opposition. They stopped. And for 10 years, for 10 years, nothing happened. And then what happened in Ezra 5, we read about the prophet Haggai and the prophet Zechariah coming and preaching and and, and declaring the word of the Lord to them. And it says, so after they'd prophesied, Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel and Jeshua, they rose up and began to build the house of God. And they finished it ever so quickly. There was a strategic moment when they heard God speaking to them and they said, that's it, we're going to redeem the time. Um, and what has God called you to do? Have you had a call of God to do something and maybe you started it and you've stopped? Opposition, persecution, fatigue set in. When he's Lord of your time, it might be that you look back and you say, well, I can see 10 years wasted, but I've got good news for you today. He can revive your calling today. And even as the word comes prophetically through preaching, callings on your life that have been put aside for a year, two years, three years, 10 years, maybe 20 years, can be revived again. And he says to you today, pick up the call again that you've dropped. He can redeem the time. What you think wasn't possible is possible as by the Holy Spirit you find he redeems the time. In the book of Joel, we, 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 chapter 1, we read about locusts coming in and invading and eating all the crops. Dreadful consequences. That, you know, they destroyed, they wiped out the seed not only of the current year, but from the previous year, the harvest of the current year, the seed that would be used the next year. It meant in, in chapter 1, verse 12, we read, the vine dries up, the fig tree languishes, pomegranate, palm and apple, all the trees of the field are dried up, and gladness has dried up. Wasted opportunities. Oh, no. And then the word of the Lord comes through the prophet Joel in chapter 2, verse 24. The threshing floor shall be full of grain. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. Hear the word of the Lord. God restores with interest that where there's been wasted years, he can turn it all around. Wasted callings, wasted moments. Uh, You know, God does that sort of thing. He's wonderful, isn't he? Um, Hear the word of the Lord where you've wasted time. You can be like the laborers in Matthew 20. You say, but these people have been working hard. What did Jesus tell a story about? Those who started at the end of the day got paid as much as those who started at the start. You say, oh, I'll never never be as blessed as so-and-so. They've worked hard all their lives, given their lives to the Lord. You can come in as a latecomer and find out that God blesses you. It's not for any of us to be envious because he's generous. I just want to say, you know, it's not too late to live happy, not depressed. It's not too late to live generous, not stingy. It's not too late to be authentic, not sarcastic. It's not too late to live relating to others, not easily offended by others. It's not too late to live encouraging others, not dependent upon others. It's not too late to be compassionate, not avoiding others. Just to finish, I want to say, when Jesus is Lord of my time, it means I can capture God moments. 
There's a wonderful verse going back to that story in Ezra. In Ezra 9 verse 8, Ezra is talking to the people who are called the survivors. The ones that have been called to rebuild the temple. And he says to them, but now we have been given a brief moment of grace. Is Jesus Lord of your time? Do you discern what he's giving you today? A moment of grace. A brief moment of grace. For some of you, that might be a few more years. For some, it might be 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It's a brief moment of grace. As a church community, even as we enter into this time of prayer and fasting, let's capture that brief moment of grace. Uh, You don't create the moment. He does that. You just discern it and step into it. How? By acknowledging, by confessing, Jesus, I'm not Lord of my time. You are. A Lord of my time. From today, I want my confession to be every morning when I wake up, Jesus, your Lord of my time. In John 5, there's a story which none of us can pretend to fully understand, but we know something happened. Sick people lay around outside a pool and they would wait for an angel to come and trouble the waters. When the waters were troubled, only the first one who entered into the pool was healed. I don't understand all that. But what I do know is there was a moment to step into something, into the fullness. I want to say, I I want us all to, to, to say, come on, let's be those who discern when the Spirit comes and stirs the waters in our lives. When angels stir worship on a Sunday, that I, I, I don't wait, I'm, I'm sensitive, I'm lifting up my hands before anybody else. I'm crying out my praise, I'm shouting out my praise, I'm not waiting until there's an atmosphere in the room. I'm setting the atmosphere. I, 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 I'm stepping into today because I sense the waters are troubled in my spirit. So I sense there's a moment for me to step into. I'm stepping into emotional and physical healing. I, I'm, I, I'm, 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 how about some of us, we even say, it's my moment to, to be healed from depression that dogs me. I'm going to move into that. I'm going to know supernatural healing today. Jesus is Lord of my time. I'm sensitive to angelic beings working and fighting on my behalf. But I have angels that surround me. I'm stepping into that. Can we just stand, please?